Hello. Hi. It's working. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. So this is the first episode of Rowdy No, our little podcast. It's wonderful. It's something, that's for sure. So (laughs) for our currently zero listeners, but hopefully in the future listeners, Quenby and I are both pretty big Scrubs fans and we've joked for years that we should do a little Scrubs podcast and talk about how funny it is. And the current lockdown due to coronavirus felt like a really good time to do it. So here we are. How's lockdown going at your end, Gwenby? Um, It's actually not too bad. We um, There's four of us in the house, so it kind of just feels like a normal Sunday afternoon at the moment. <laughs> Look, I'm an introvert, so lockdown to me just feels like a normal day, which is kind of <laughs> good. <laughs> but... It is a bit weird to not be able to go out. Oh, sorry, hang on. We shouldn't be saying lockdown because apparently that's not the right word to use. We should be saying self-isolation, stay at home. Whatever it is, it's um, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. It's like not having the choice to go out. Well, that's it, I think right? That's like I could spend a week at home normally, but I have the choice to leave if I want to. Whereas Exactly right. We kind of just have to stay home. But, I mean, we've got three dogs here and a cat, so there's plenty of things to do. Correct. I have one dog and one cat. who is sitting right next to me. Oh, I've locked the dogs out. I don't trust them. The dog is not in here. <laughs> so we've both rewatched um, episode one of season one just to make sure we remembered what happened because I don't know about you, Quamby, but I tend to rewatch this series at least once or twice a year so it's easy to blur it all together. I'm in what, um, <laughs> what stood out to you from, from episode one? I think the thing that stands out for me in episode one, weirdly, is that span of the hospital as he first sort of walks in because you sort of never really see that vision again they change um they change the hospital um Location. view that they use from um yeah well i think from episode I think two actually or three choose, onwards i think they actually changed location so i think for the pilot they just borrowed a hospital from memory and then after that they actually found their own building that they could set up and use i think it even was an old hospital anyway but it just became derelict so they used it for filming but i had that same thought everything didn't seem familiar it was all these weird rooms that you never see again yeah, and I think it's just the you kind of forget how old it is too because it's almost 20 years old, I think, coming up. Uh, end of next year, it'll be 20 years since the first episode. So, God. Um, like, you get that there's no widescreen and it's that really sort of grainy picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nostalgic. <laughs> I am, I'm super organised and I had to write notes because I like to just have notes. And one of my notes was that Ted actually has hair. Like, I mean, he's always got hair, but... Did you notice how much his hair was sticking out? It's sort of, I don't know, stuff like that you don't notice at first and then when you rewatch, you're like, oh, my God. The thing that gets me with hair is Elliot's hair. Elliot's hair disturbs <laughs> me for approximately three and a half seasons until she has that makeover a little bit later on down the track. But there's something about oh, no her spoilers, hair in those couple of seasons just <laughs> weirds me out so hard. <laughs> yeah and just how young they all look I mean even um even Carla looks young you know she she's obviously a bit older I think than the other actors throughout the season but she looks young in that first one as well she looks like a baby yeah she does 
It's um, it's kind of cute. It is a little bit cute, isn't it? I think um, the the bit that made me laugh was when JD sort of first meets Elliot and then they're having that race up the stairs and she's talking about how she's not competitive and, you know, she is obviously. <laughs> it just made me laugh that, like, we all know an Elliot. We all know that goody two-shoes that, you know, and, I mean, look, there's probably elements of that in me. I was like, maybe, I, but... you're, my, you're my goody two-shoes or that person in my life. <laughs> but there's no way I'm racing anyone up the stairs. I'd fall down the stairs before I won any competition up the stairs. Oh, yes, um, right. But, no, I did... I did love that, that the way they kind of introduce all of the characters and kind of their, you know, their most obvious qualities in that first episode. And then you kind of relate straight away. Like you, you know, someone like that, you know, someone like Dr. Stedman with the, I'm a tool, I'm a tool. Oh, I love that part. It's so, but do you know what I mean? Like you kind of go, oh, yep, we've all, we've all been there. We've all seen someone like that. Yeah, you do. You associate those characters with people in your actual life funny how that happens and especially in the workplace like I don't know a lot of people I guess don't necessarily work with lots and lots of people like that but I can picture that person in every at least one from every different workplace that I've worked in for the last let's say long time um (laughs) (laughs) there are definitely those characters in each of those places that I've worked so it's really interesting that they that that's how that sort of cast came together and how the characters came together in the show but it just works. Yeah, it who, does. Um, who do you identify yourself with if you oh, have to pick someone? I don't know. In the first episode, I guess a little bit of JD because he's, yeah, he's a little bit. I mean, I like that Carla starts off calling him Bambi because he's sort of that real innocent, doughy-eyed kid. I mean, I guess that's me on the first day. I'm just sort of like when I um, – walk into a job for the first time, I really like to sort of step back and just observe people. And I guess you can't do that in a hospital. But in my <laughs> life, I like to sort of step back and I really like to observe people. Maybe I'm the janitor. <laughs> I just Is like Quimby to watch what people name? do and just sort of stand around like a creeper <laughs> and not talk to anyone. <laughs> and set people up for pranks and trip them over. Well, and you know, I was very much a prankster in one of my jobs. I won't mention which one, but we were we <laughs> did some pretty outrageous things. So, I mean, we didn't build a sand pit, a castle made of sand or anything, but, you know, we came <laughs> close. So... <laughs> I think I think that's actually the thing I love most about this whole series is just the the dream sequences and how much of those you remember. Like you saying that about the castle in the the parking lot. There's just so many of those dream sequences where they flash forward or you know flash to some terrifying place in JD's mind and kind of invent something. It's I think it's what makes the series. You know, without those, it would just be a really boring hospital drama. But that kind of crazy out of reality it's outrageous isn't it brilliant it's just outrageous between the unicorn and oh god there's just so many (laughs) and we will talk about all of them in due course (laughs) i know i'm sort of i don't want to go too much into detail because we have to start at the start yeah it's day one it's only day one so i'm gonna talk about just one thing before we go on so we are massive scrubs fans but I will say that admittedly I did not get into the series until probably it was about five or six years in actually um I that's when I sort of started watching it and I did my big binge watch and I think season six was where I got up to when I actually started sort of watching it episode by episode 
So I wasn't I wasn't a uh, true Scrubs fan right from the start. I came in a little bit a little bit later in the piece. Look, we'll forgive you. <laughs> I I distinctly remember it watching it in um in high school. It it was something my older brother and I sort of got into together. And I remember being home for you know exam study breaks supposed to be focusing on studying and you know being the diligent student that I wasn't <laughs> and I would just get distracted by watching scrubs because he'd sit in the lounge and watching it and I'd be like well you know if I've got a choice between watching scrubs and studying physics I mean obviously I'm gonna choose scrubs so I have I have distinct rem- uh, memories of that and I think let's not talk about how many years ago that was but I think ever since then <laughs> yes and there are it's many, like many valuable life lessons that you learn from Scrubs as opposed to They're from really a physics though. book, you know? Well, exactly. I mean, who needs physics anyway? No one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's I a think... podcast of the Big Bang Theory that, uh, that contradicts that in a thousand we'll different ways. that to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> it's well above my intelligence levels. But I think, I mean, that's another great thing about this show is that, and you see it a lot in reviews or articles about it where it's, you know, it, it's pretty factually accurate from what I understand. I've, I sort of have heard a few medical um, people talk about it and say that it is quite factually accurate. But just even from the fact that although it's a funny comedy, there is that drama and there is that serious part to it as well. I think that's what makes it so enjoyable. You know, you don't just watch it for a laugh. Like you do take lessons and the way JD sort of summarises stuff, it can be corny, but it's sort of like, it makes you think. Yeah, there's definitely think some highs and lows, and I think um, I'm pretty excited about some of the episodes later on down the track where they actually do sort of touch on real emotional um, oh god, storylines and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that, that'll be exciting to talk about those episodes. We'll have the tissues for those oh, episodes. Yes. <laughs> there's a couple that still get me even now. I think I've seen them a dozen times, and even now I still get a bit teary. Yeah. You know what's going to happen and you still just, ah, it still hurts. Correct. I think, um, so I guess going back to the way that, you know, the characters get set up and, and, you know, their personalities, I love the way that it sort of pits Kelso and Cox against each other from the start. You know, it, it shows them as Kelso initially being that kind of, you know, lovely old chief of medicine that's there to support everybody and Cox is the evil one that, you know, doesn't care about his patients and you sort of, get lulled almost into a false sense of security and then all of a sudden towards the end it's like hang on a second Kelso is actually the evil guy and and Cox is the one that you know is set up to be the good guy but it's such a quick kind of turnaround that it happens right towards the end so it sort of leads you into thinking you know is is that going to be the way it is for the rest of the the series and I mean without you know not spoiling it if you haven't watched it by now there's something wrong (laughs) but, but you know without going too far into it it's sort of just interesting the way they kind of set them up against each other and it almost foreshadows the whole series that, you know, it's always these two pitted against each other. Yeah, I actually really like the way that they um, that they rounded out that episode. You know, I guess with a with a pilot episode of any series, it's that that's what the, the episode that needs to, you know, catch the, the producers and the audience to see whether it's actually going to continue and do well as a series. And the thing that I liked about that was just sort of that that moment where he's like, well, if he's the bad guy who's, the good guy and then it yeah. sort of spans over to um to Kelso I think you know it, the pilot is actually one of my least favorite episodes and I don't know if it's because I've watched it so much but I think more likely it's because it just doesn't kind of have that same scrubs feel to it and I feel like it's because it's the pilot and they had to try and get so much into it to 
to kind of convince people that, yes, this is going to take off and, yes, this is going to be a success. So they didn't want to go maybe too far down the path that all the other episodes do. So in that sense, it's almost my least favourite, but, I, you know, I get that there's a yeah, purpose to it. They've got to set to it up. They've got to hook people like, in. I mean, I guess the, the amount of times that we've watched it, we probably don't have to watch the first one. It's kind of like when you watch the Lord of the Rings <laughs> trilogy, it's like you can skip the first one after the first five times. But I still watch it. Every time I rewatch the series, I literally start from episode one and I go all the way through. And I perhaps that's just because I have OCD and I would not be able to live with myself if I just sort of flipped between episodes. <laughs> it's not a possibility in my life. But um, I, I literally always start from that that first um, that first episode. And it is interesting yeah. to see how the characters change and how they build because it's not necessarily a reflection of sort of how they end up. No, not at all. I think um. So my my partner hasn't watched Scrubs at all. Ooh. So, look, I haven't watched The Office either. So we've got a deal no, that I'm rewatching The Office same. with him. Not the same. And then once we finish that, we go to Scrubs. But we did start Scrubs. I think we got a few episodes in, and rewatching it with him and sort of seeing it through another person's eyes that has never seen it and has no kind of, you know, attachment to it. It actually made me look at season one very very differently because. I don't know, it's like, you know when you, you watch a movie with somebody and you love it and they've never seen it and you just feel really protective and you're like, you know, what if you don't like it? Is this going to change the dynamic of our friendship or relationship or, you know, and you just have all this pressure and expectation that it has to have to love it. It's sort of how I felt with this, that, you know, if he doesn't love Scrubs, then we may need to to revisit a few things in the relationship. Because, <laughs> you know, did that with me and I had never watched Dirty Dancing and she was so disappointed in me. And we watched it and I hated it. <laughs> and what's the relationship like now? Has it changed? Um, well, look, I haven't spoken to her for a long time. I don't think it was specifically <laughs> because of that. Though. <laughs> you hope. I hope, but yeah, um, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think, I think you're right. It's one of those things you sort of have to watch. You have to just, it's, you know, it's just. It's, it's the one I watch when I'm looking on my phone and, you know, I still scroll Facebook and I still check out the news while I'm watching it because I feel like I have to and then after that I seem to get a bit more into it. So, yeah, I guess that's just the nature of a pilot. Correct. That's okay. There was, um, there was a quote in there, though, I found really interesting and, you know, it's pretty topical at the moment, um, this whole medical thing. So for, I guess, future listeners, at the moment it's... um what are we, end of March, and coronavirus is taking the world by storm, as it were, Um, and obviously they're trying to find a vaccine and they're trying to find a cure, I suppose, and they're trying to treat people. So it's all over the news and it's everywhere we look. There's something about it. Um, But there's a quote in there that, you know, JD's talking to Dr Cox and he's saying that, you know, everyone around him, all of his patients are quite old and they've checked out mentally and they're, you know, they're not quite with it anymore. And Dr Cox says that, you know, that's modern medicine, that we keep making these advances that keep people alive and, um, you know, even people that probably should have checked out a little while ago. And it just sort of, I don't know, it particularly struck home today because I've been reading about how over in Italy they're having to make choices between, you know, if, if they're saving people who do they save because they can't seem to save everybody and they can't treat everybody so they're having to make choices where you know older people who would otherwise normally have been looked after and cared for and sent home and on their way are possibly not getting treatment because they're considered to be 
less likely to survive compared to maybe younger, healthier people that are coming through with the same stuff. And it just, I don't know, it felt really relevant all of a sudden because, I mean, yeah, modern medicine has come a long way, obviously, but even now we're still having to make choices sometimes about who we keep alive and it's kind of terrifying. It is a little bit terrifying. And you know what, I thought the exact same thing when they were talking about that, um, you know, the elderly in that particular scene and it is extremely relevant at the moment. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought I did think the exact same thing. I was like, Oh, that is, um, that's a thing at the moment with this coronavirus stuff. And it's, um, it's pretty intense the way that, it is. you know, they're having to deal with some of these things at the moment. Um, and we're not there in Australia yet. And, you know, some predict that we will, some are predicting that we won't. And I mean, I'm not a doctor, so. I sort of, I'm not going to go make any predictions at this point, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It just hit home a little bit that, you know, as, as lucky as we are to be in a great country like Australia, where we've got, you know, universal healthcare and, and all kinds of things, it's still, even now in 2020, you know, healthcare and, and keeping people alive isn't necessarily as good as, as it could be, I suppose. No. And I guess the fact that we, that no country had ever predicted or prepared for something like this to happen I think they, maybe the entire world got a little bit complacent sort of after the Spanish flu. They were like, oh, well, this is never going to happen again because we've got modern medicine, but here we are. Yeah. And we are not prepared. No. <laughs> As it turns out, no, we're yeah. not. Well, we also never. apparently don't make enough toilet paper. Right. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. How are your toilet paper stocks going? Oh, look, I'm all right. By coincidence, my husband and I went to Costco a couple of weeks before all this toilet paper stuff started because (laughs) that's what we did. We've gone a few weeks as well. His brother was moving over from the UK, so we thought we'd just go and do a bit of a Costco shop and stock up on a few things before we got here. So purely by coincidence, we were stocked up on toilet paper before all this stuff started. And then, you know, we sort of went through. I have... (laughs) I was talking to um, my friend uh, recently and I sort of almost put a uh, the five stages of um, grief and applied it to the coronavirus because I think it's quite relevant. <laughs> so maybe we should have spoken about that episode of Scrubs or the one where they're just going and uh, stealing toilet paper. So <laughs> all very relevant at the moment. <laughs> Or the one where they talk about the infection as it spreads with cabbage. I feel yes, like, you know, I that, that particular that a sequence. Weeks ago, actually, with the... Well, it's been getting shared. The little snippet of it has been getting shared as like a really good way to show how infection spreads so quickly. And for um for those that didn't quite keep up with that leap that we just made, <laughs> there's an episode, I think it's what, season six, maybe? Season seven? Yeah, quite late. Towards the end, I think. in the piece. Seven, yeah. Seven? Um, and they just without ruining it, they just sort of show, you know, visually how someone can be in hospital and how infection can get to them without sort of anyone realising just through, you know, carelessly not washing your hands or or not sort of monitoring the spread of um, infection very well. And it's being used at the moment to show just how important it is to wash hands because that's sort of one of the big ways that this coronavirus is spreading at the moment, they think. So, you know, it's and I think we'll probably pull out bits and pieces as we go through this podcast, assuming that we make it to the end. Um, of, you know, just how every little bit seems to be so relevant to everyday life. Like there's, I've always made the joke that there's always a Scrubs quote to suit a situation. You know, you might have to think about it, but there's always a Scrubs quote that'll fit whatever's going on in Correct. life. Correct. Um, 
I think I, the one thing that I also noticed during this episode and because I've watched the rest of the episodes so many times over the last almost two decades is um, this is one of the few episodes where Dr. Cox actually refers to JD as JD. (laughs) (laughs) That goes away very quickly. It really does. So there are a a very, very small handful of episodes throughout um, where he actually refers to him by his, uh, well, abbreviated name. But, yeah, I I sort of found that really interesting. It's like so when when I talk about, my husband Brett to other people I quite happily will call him Brett but at home it's really strange calling him by his actual name and I I almost sort of relate it to that it's weird hearing Dr Cox call JD by his actual name because I'm so yeah because you're so used to the girls names and the the insults or whatever it might be newbie (laughs) I hadn't actually noticed that good pickup I am I was laughing though. I'd forgotten about the the Elliot Sassin Carla part, you know, and, and because they they sort of do become such good friends, you know. I forgot that for a little while I hated it, there was actually that little bit of tension. Yes, they sure did. It was that sort of you know cattiness. And I mean, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, an admission here. Um, I've actually been getting quite into this year's season of Married at First Sight for the first time ever. And you can judge me all you want, but I, uh, I'm, I'm in. It's fine. But it had made me, well, up until then, I had forgotten how bitchy and how catty girls can be. You know, it's probably something I haven't seen since I was in high school maybe because I've just always seemed to have groups of friends that were pretty level-headed and, you know, work in places that were pretty level-headed. So I'd sort of forgotten how catty women could be sometimes until watching Married at First Sight oh, and how so crazy that all went. We're so nasty. <laughs> But then watching this episode with Elliot being um, sassy to Carla, I mean, it, it probably wasn't the same extent as what I've seen on Married at First Sight, but my goodness, she still had a, a bit of bite to her. She really did. And it's interesting, like, the place that it comes from because so Elliot is obviously this, you know, super privileged white girl from Connecticut who, you know, has one parent who grew up with a maid and a pool. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> She obviously did very well in, you know, medical school and is very competitive, but she is so broken inside. She has this teeny tiny little self-esteem and, you know, she she doesn't think much of herself. Um, and so she really relies on that um, knowledge of medicine and her ability to sort of um, learn things really quickly and understand and be really good at what she does. Um, she she really uses that um and when she's in a situation where she's you know with Carla where she doesn't think that they're going to like her as a person that's where she sort of comes out you know fists um fists first with I'm a doctor and you're just a nurse and and all that sort of stuff and I think it's it's hiding behind her knowledge but it really comes down to sort of that self-esteem she's actually quite a complex character and you sort of get to know that much sort of uh, well, further and further into the episodes that you go, she's she's actually a really interesting character. But um, yeah, she really is. And I think you know, I said to you before, who do you relate to? And I mean, for me, there's there's elements of JD that I sort of you know go, yep, that is me. And then there's elements of of Elliot as well, um, where I sort of go, yep, I can sort of see that as well. So I think if you know, if they 
had a baby, that would almost be me. <laughs> you would definitely um, car Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> but I think though with Carla, you know, she she obviously through her background and, and through the way she was raised and then also the challenges that she's faced, she's obviously quite a confident person within herself. And, you know, Elliot, I think, probably feels a bit threatened by that because she doesn't have that same level of, of confidence. And, you know, Elliot's relationship with her mum, you compare that to, to Carla's relationship with her mum, you know, and, and they go into it a bit more as the season progresses. But you can sort of get glimpses, glimpses of it already where Carla says that she's living and looking after her mum, which straight away, you know, obviously they're pretty close if they can still be doing that, whereas um, you sort of learn that Elliot's relationship with her parents is a whole different story. So I think there's certainly that jealousy and that low self-esteem compared to Carla's sort of confidence and, and security within herself that, you know, she can go in and basically order Turk to strip mm-hmm. naked and walk out you know that that's a huge power move like credit to her she she played yeah, that she well did. <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it so much I mean funnily enough Carla actually becomes one of my least favorite characters as as it all sort of goes through but in the first few probably episodes and into the first season she's actually one of my favorites to begin with um I don't know what changes. Maybe I'll figure it out as we yeah, go. Maybe. But, I'm, but, yeah, to begin I with, don't, I don't really. Oh, yeah, I'm the same. And I think it's because, and they touch on this in one of the episodes further down the track, is that she's just not funny. And I think. No, I, she's and really I think not. That, <laughs> and, and they sort of explain how everybody else, like all the other characters, are funny in their own way. And she's not. And I think maybe that's part of it for me is that the whole show yes there are highs and lows of emotions and you know there's different storylines that take characters to different places but at the crux of it it's a comedy like it's supposed to be funny and she's just not and so she's she's a bit of a Debbie Downer for me like she's like she's kind of like the wet rag of the group like she's a good character to have because she's sort of like this baseline and she doesn't she's quite consistent in um but yeah I just she's not funny and I think that was it for me. No, and I think too, she's so serious. And then you compare her against Turk, for example, and and how you know easygoing and funny and and sort of prankster he is. And yeah, she's the complete opposite. And you know probably that's why they do so well as a couple because you know it's it's yin and yang. One being very serious, one being not very serious at all. So it sort of works. But yeah, it, she's not someone that probably in in reality that I would want to be friends with or that I would be drawn to as a person. I feel like I would be running. Yeah, she's a little way. bit uptight for me. Yeah, yes. Good thing we don't have a colour in our group. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think, think we do. Now we'll be on the lookout just to just to be sure. Um, one of the other sort of iconic parts of this episode was when JD meets the janitor for the <laughs> yes. first time. And the janitor's fixing the door and JD says, you know, what's wrong with it and and the janitor says it's broken something's stuck and, and JD says oh maybe a penny's in there and the janitor says why a penny and it made me laugh because when I was a lot younger I um I had my first hotmail email address which as we can probably all remember they're never very good your first email address you know they're they're usually pretty cringeworthy and not something that you well, share even so with mine you. was blue beetle 69 but that was because I oh, well, had fine. a blue Volkswagen Beetle that was made in 1969. So it was relevant to me. <laughs> yeah, see, mine was car-related too, but not because I owned the car, but because it was the car um, I wanted. And then I had an unfortunate misspelling of a word, 
which is very cringeworthy now, but it's kind of how teenage girls used to spell back in the day. I'm not going to elaborate because it was <laughs> horrific. But um, <laughs> when, when I matured <laughs> from that point and decided that I needed a new email address and sort of before it occurred to me that maybe just getting one with my name would be the way to go, sort of in that in-between in stage, I actually ended up with – no, you don't. You really don't. Um, so I ended up, though, with Penny at whatever email <laughs> it was because that was sort of the first thing I could think of that didn't sound lame and, and cringy and was sort of obscure enough that people wouldn't really get it unless they knew Scrubs. And even then they had to know Scrubs to get that it was that first sort of introduction mm-hmm. way back when. So I thought I was the cleverest person in the world at that point. Um, but I think that email lasted like a year before I moved on to one with my actual name in it. So anyway, that's, that's my lame story of how I, uh, I, I brought that Good into on my you. life. I like how you integrated it into your world. That's fantastic. Well, look, I think though, um, once again, you know, this whole episode is about setting up characters and, you know, their relationships with each other. But straight away you start to see what that dynamic between JD and the janitor is going to be. That, you know, there's that kind of grumpy old janitor who's suspicious and, you know, automatically pegs JD as the one that's going to cause problems in his life. And then JD just being completely oblivious to to that basically. That is actually one of my favourite relationships in the whole show is JD and the janitor. <laughs> I think you need that sort of thing though. You always need that sort of antagonist and protagonist Definitely. kind of relationship. And he sort of has it with Dr Cox but it's like with the janitor it's on, on a much more sort of comedic level whereas with Cox it's sort of that emotional father figure kind of level. With the janitor it's actually just yes. hilarious. And Neil Flynn is genius like you hear them talk about sort of oh how a lot of his stuff is ad-libbed and he just sort of you know they were just like you know what just go for it do yeah say whatever and you feel yeah many of those <laughs> moments were ad-libbed and you just think he must just understand it he he just gets it like he's just so yeah and you just think, you know, being the, the actor or the actress on the other side of that and having to deal with whatever he's just lobbed your way, you know, that that shows talent as well because some of the stuff that he does come out with, you know, one of my favourite, most sort of memorable ones, and we'll talk about it when it gets to it because I love it so much, but the um, the the episode where JD is riding the scooter <laughs> and he falls into the puddle outside the, uh, the hospital and comes back out and, you know, he's like, there's a manatee in there. And the janitor's asking if it's Julian. And JD says, well, I don't know. We didn't exchange pleasantries. You know, that was an ad-lib scene. And just the fact that, you know, A, he was able to come up with the fact that there was a manatee living under the hospital, but B, that JD or Zach Braff, as it were, was able to then come back so quickly with, you know, I don't know, we didn't exchange pleasantries. You know, it's those sorts of things where it's just, it's witty on both sides and it's just so nonsensical yeah. that it's amazing. I do love a witty about so <laughs> if only we were oh, that I know. Good, practice practice maybe well we'll keep doing these podcasts and um i mean by well, the end of yeah it, i mean be look, we've got a couple of hundred episodes to go so <laughs> Easy. so we've probably actually reached a really good point to talk about this podcast um and what we're doing so for those who actually have managed to listen to us you can probably tell that the audio is pretty crap um we we 
we have not spent any money on this show to date. It is our first episode and we're doing it as a laugh because, you know, we wanted something to do and we keep joking that we should. So right now our equipment is literally two mobile phones using the Anchor app and talking. So apologies um, for the, the lack of quality and the polishing. I also don't know what the editing is like. I'll find that out after we finish recording. So it might come out really well. It might come out terrible. I'm not sorry. Me neither. It's terrible. Um, at this point, you know, this is what it is. It's two friends just talking about a TV show that they love. But, you know, hopefully this goes somewhere and, and we might bother investing some better equipment into it and um, seeing what we end up with. But I think from this point, the plan is that we'll do one episode per episode as it were um frequency to be determined but you know if you sort of follow us we we have a facebook page now which is pretty exciting and a twitter account i set those up at 2 a.m this morning because i couldn't sleep so it felt like the right thing to do oh we've got twitter too so we'll um we'll be sure to post updates on there and let you know when new episodes come out or even any other interesting tidbits tidbit that's going to be a great episode (laughs) Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh so I think that that probably wraps it up for today Quimby was there anything else that you wanted to talk about or no I don't think or? so I think just look congratulations to us for finally doing something that we said that we were going to do yeah because well, yeah, lots of people do things and say things that they think they're going to do and then don't actually do it so at least we did one episode we got one episode done. We can tick that off in our bucket list. If nothing else, we did one episode of a podcast. And if this ne- never comes back, well, that's fine. We I'm keen one. to do it again. It gets so much better after episode one. So surely that means, you know. I think we'll have a lot more to talk speaking, about. If their episodes forward. get better, than so should ours. And, I mean, we're pretty funny. So, you know, Correct. our humour is only going to get better too. Yeah, okay. Well, it's yes. a date. We'll, uh, we'll come back. Enjoy your afternoon of Thank um, you. And do you know what? Here's a little tidbit from me. So I was explaining to my housemate this morning that um, ever since this whole isolation thing came came about, I have had Fool's Garden lemon trees stuck in my head pretty much every day. Every time I see or hear the word isolation, I think of that song because there's that one little bit in there where he talks about how isolation isn't good for him. So everybody go and listen to that song and um, enjoy it because it's <laughs> just, it's a beauty from the nineties and it's wonderful and so relevant. All right. Please do. I'll add it to my playlist. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Until next time. We need to come up bye. with a little sign off, but we'll do that next time.